Welcome to The Pink Chair. My name is Annie Lobert, and I am so excited to share with you today about a friend of mine that we've invited on the show. Her name is Jessica, and she is absolutely incredible. And there's such a funny story behind this and a cool story because her and I both worked on the Las Vegas Strip, but at separate times. And I didn't meet her until recently, and I found such similarities in our journeys that we became fast friends, and the rest is history. So, Jessica, welcome to the program. Hi. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm, like, over the moon excited. Like, I couldn't <laughs> sleep last night, and I know I was texting you, and um, I just wanted to thank you for coming on today, and just everything about you, just it just glows, just you are so strong and you are so resilient and your words are so like heavy when you speak about what's happened to you but then your life now is is probably the most impressive thing that I love about you because you are a complete overcomer I don't even want to call you a survivor okay because you're beyond that like you're at another level where it's not just about surviving, it's about thriving and really making a difference in our Las Vegas community and basically in our entire country and the world. You know, you have such a powerful, powerful story. So let's, let's, uh, I wanted to ask you the first question because um, it's, it's really been on my heart to, to just hear about where you come from, like the deep details. But more importantly, how do we meet first? That's what I want to hear. Do you remember? I do remember how we met. But first of all, I just want to say, one, thank you for all your kind words. I, you're a hero to me. So oh. sitting here today, it's, it's funny when you, you're the reason I started telling my story. Through your video, I am second. And that's really when I recognized that I, too, was a victim of human trafficking. And right? you didn't think you were before? No, because I, I felt like I made choices that led me into those situations, right? right? And so I didn't look at the, the big picture. I didn't mm -hmm. look at the manipulation and the coercion as me being a victim. It was just something that happened to me. And, you know, move on, get over it, and keep moving. Um, and so through I am second is when I really was like, wow, like I, she is me. I am her. Um, and I love I that. Wanna, I love that. I want to help. Yeah. I want to help. And so, um, I'm honored to be here and I always wanted to meet you. And so now <laughs> it's like, it's amazing to sit here beside you and to be friends, um, to be able to genuinely say like, we're in this together yeah. and we yeah. are friends yeah, and we are, I can pick up the phone and call you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or when I'm upset, I'm having a bad day. Can you like right. think, think positive thoughts about me, please? Because I'm right. about to cuss this person out. <laughs> right. It's amazing. So the other thing is, so we were at a meeting. Yes. Wasn't it at a meeting? Marie calendars. We were at a Marie that, calendars. That was it over yep. on Sahara. Is it Sarah? Yep, yeah, it was Sahara. on Sahara. Yep, yep. And we were meeting another great survivor that we know, Amy. Yep. Amy Ayub. And, of course, Dr. Halle and a couple other survivors that came to the meeting. And we were talking about, was it about changing laws or proposing to change laws? I think it was a little bit of everything. It was kind of us just coming together and saying, this is us. This is our group. Um, let's stick together. Let's make change together. I feel like that was a groundbreaking um, meeting, too, by the way, because... 
I think it brought us it was, all together, like sealed the deal. Yeah. Of like, like this is in our community and there's not a lot of people or ladies or anyone that's really at that time gotten out and to be able to face each other and talk about it where we are truly out. We're not dabbling still. We're not going back out there. Well, oh, I need to make my rent. I got to turn a couple, you know, turn a couple tricks. Right. And if anyone doesn't understand what I'm talking about right now, Human trafficking in Las Vegas, the main thing that we have in Las Vegas is sex trafficking. And so sex trafficking, some of you are like, oh my gosh, she's saying sex. Okay, get over yourselves. Because listen, this is right in your backyard in America itself. If you think it's not going on in the small towns, the big towns, the larger cities, the counties, across our borders, you're highly mistaken. Uh, trafficking is the fraud and coercion and force of any human being that's being told they have to do something or else they're going to get hurt or else they're going to die or a family member's going to die. And I'm probably describing it in such a, you know, ballpark way. But I wanted everyone to understand the seriousness of this and that Jessica and I, this is something we not only survived, but we've actually decided to change the trajectory of our valley because we're not taking it, are we? Not in our city. So speaking of that, you're fired up. I mean, you're like ready to take the, on the world. You know, because I just felt like it was my purpose. That's right. And I, I just want to, I want to hear like the beginning part of your journey. What led you, first of all, childhood, you know, and then what led you to Las Vegas? I'm not going to dabble too much in my childhood. I will say I grew up in a really small town in Iowa. Um, oh. So I was very, <laughs> I was very um, sheltered, right? I just really lived in this bubble. I didn't think outside of that bubble. I didn't think outside of that box, right? This is how I grew just up. Just the cornfields, right? This is this <laughs> is life, right? This is what it is. I really didn't travel much as a child, so I mean, my life was what was shown to me in you know this little small town. And nice um, people. People in the oh, Midwest are so sweet. So nice, Just right? like your personality. Everybody, everybody says yeah. hi. Everybody waves, right? You're driving down the, the road and everybody's waving at you. And that's they'll stop and what, help you if you need help. Yes. Flat tire, I'll help you. Yeah, that's just what we do, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I had a lot of domestic violence and drug addiction in my home growing up. Um, I do believe at the end of the day, my family did the best that they could. Right. Um, and unfortunately, sweeping all of our dramatics under the rug is what caused me to trip and fall, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so I went off to college in my search for love and hope and anything else. Where did you else. go to college? Uh, well, right out of high school, I went to a small community college okay. called Ellsworth Community mm -hmm. College. And I lived in the dorms. And it was seriously <laughs> the best time of my life. All, both of my children will live in the dorms. I don't yeah. care if they go to UNLV. They're yeah. still living in the dorms. They yeah, nice dorms here. Right, but yeah. dorm life is just, you make the best of friends, yeah. it's so much fun. It's like a family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I got pregnant with my son, um, and I graduated nine months pregnant with my mm -hmm. associate's degree. Wow. Um, but I always wanted something different. So you're a finisher. Yes. You finished that. That's, I, that's I impressive. I did. I did finish that. Um, but I've always been a big dreamer. So mm -hmm. even when I was little, I used to sing this song to my mom and I used to tell her I was going to Hollywood. It was like, I'm going to Hollywood, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know why. I always just like was this big dreamer who had never <laughs> even been to California. So, um, I decided to pack my family up and move to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I was just fascinated. Were you still, like, how old were you about? I was uh, 21, yeah, about were, to be you, 22. Okay, so we know scientifically the brain does not completely make all of its brain cells until about age 25 or so. Right. And I like to tell people that because, I mean. I young. Yeah. We're still technically very young <laughs> adults. You right, know? I was a young person. I right. was a young person. And it fascinated probably with the West Coast. Oh, the lights, like, wow. the the traffic. Like, I, we don't even have traffic back home. Right, right. So, you know what? We're going to go to break right now. And you guys, we are going to come back to hear the rest of Jessica's story because you guys don't want to miss this. It's going to be very shocking, but amazing. Hi, my name is Annie Lobert, and I am the host of The Pink Chair. I wanted to talk to you today about a very important subject. Some of you might not understand what I'm about to share with you, but sex trafficking is something that is real. It is happening in your own backyard, and basically it's this, the fraud, the force, and coercion of another human being that's being told that they have to perform sexual acts for money or food or shelter or something of that nature that where they feel pressured and they cannot leave because they are threatened with their very lives. That is one of my stories of my life and a place that I know that God put on my heart to start for ladies to come that have been sex trafficked in Las Vegas and beyond is called Destiny House. It's a very important project of ours because we have ladies that are coming in there. They can stay a year to a year and a half to heal, become whole again, get counseling, trauma group therapy, equine therapy, learn how to cook again, eat right, get their bodies back in shape, take vitamins, and get their lives back on track, and finally go back out into the world and live free again and empowered and changing the world as we know it as women. You can go to our website if you'd like to donate. It's hookersforjesus.net. Click on Donate and partner with us to change our world. Thank you. Welcome back to The Pink Chair. My name is Annie, and I have my good friend Jessica here, and we're talking about Las Vegas and her coming to Las Vegas for the first time. So, Jessica, when you got here, you'd never seen Vegas before. No, I did. I came out here when I was 18 with my grandmother on, like, a high school, like, my high school graduation trip, but... It was me and her and family and my boyfriend at the time. And we just like walked up and down the strip and did like the tourist. So what did you feel like when you first saw it? Um, one, I think it's just like spectacular, right? Right. Like, look at all these lights amazing. and like all this. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, I think it's once I moved here where it was like, I was really fascinated by the humans of Las Vegas, right? Oh, like, wow. I, I, like, <laughs> right, like, I've never seen anything but Iowa people, really, right? So and like, so, wow. wow, like, culture and different types of food and mm -hmm. just humans that come from all over the place and have such amazing stories, right? Mm -hmm. So that was super fascinating right. to me. And you started to work where? Do you remember where your first job here? I did work at a wedding chapel, fun fact. Oh, my gosh. Which I worked one? at Graceland okay. uh, Wedding Chapel. Okay. Yep. So I've seen Elvis marry numerous wow. people. <laughs> that 
was what an one iconic of my experience for Las Vegas. That would be amazing. Yeah, so I did do that. That was like one of my jobs. Uh -huh. I did work. Um, Childcare mm -hmm. was kind of really how I. Because um, I had a young son, right? right? And so right. childcare is expensive, mm -hmm. and so that's kind of how I worked my way up into where I am now, is through the childcare education side of right. things. Yeah. So then, how did your introduction into the sex industry happen? So I um, found myself in one unhealthy relationship after another. And where did you meet this guy? Um, at a bar, of course. Right. So right. You, you were in a bad relationship with one guy. That I met at a bar. Yeah. And he was in the entertainment industry as okay. far as like music, right? Right, right. So I was super fascinated by that life, right? Because I've never seen, never been You're in like, music wow. studios. Right, like around a lot of celebrities. Right. Like very, very fascinated um, by the lifestyle that we were living. Um, and so that relationship became abusive and I ended up losing my house. Um, Due to like stalking, I lost my job, I lost my house, and it kind of oh was just like gosh. a. So he was stalking you. Yes. Why does Las Vegas have so many stalkers? I, and this was really before <sighs> like the internet now, but even still, he was calling my job, and that was like my space time and like posting wow. pictures, and my job was just like we can't have this. So then you lost your house. Mm -hmm. What was the next step after that? I really lost everything. The hardest thing was I had to have my son go live with his father wow. because I couldn't take care of him, right? Um, and so in my search to grasp on to anything, mm -hmm. that's when I met him, right? Um, who later became my pimp. Um, the grooming process was right. very strategic mm -hmm. and it was long. It was a long process. We, I, I really didn't even know he was a pimp, right? I didn't you know didn't there know. was other you, girls. You, you no. thought he was your boyfriend. Yes. And he was like showing you love and affection. And right. I needed a, a, a place to live. He gave me a home, mm -hmm. right? I needed a protector. He became that. I needed love. He became my boyfriend. Um, so he really just became everything that I needed. Um, and it he was all your vulnerability. Yep. And he capsized. He capitalized on it. And I think that even what about the other guy stalking you? Because he got with you, that other guy, the new boyfriend, that stalking stopped. He, yeah, the other guy ended up moving to California, and things kind of just stopped. But he does enter my life mm -hmm. again down the road. So, um, you know, everything was great. I thought, and then. One day after a job interview, we took a detour up Tropicana, um, and we pulled over into the Orleans, mm -hmm. and a girl opened the door, Right. Um, and he kicked me out of the car, and he said, make daddy proud. And I really didn't know what was going on. I, I remember just feeling so lost and so shocked, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and she dusted me off, <laughs> just like it's okay. told me it would be okay. And we went into a bathroom and she taught me the game real quick in a bathroom. Wow. Um, and we walked back out to what we would call the track. And she was your wife-in-law. Yeah. And in the game term, that's someone that you share your pimp with that was there before you. Yeah. That, and she became my best friend. Yeah. And, and that is such, you know what, it's so crazy about you being turned out. But she became your best friend because who else do you have, Jessica? Right. We some, do some, everything together. Some of our wife-in-laws, and I had wife-in-laws too, they did become our best friends. They were our trauma bond girls. Like they were 
the ones that understood when there was a beat down, we would try to cover each other's, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean to stop crying. It's okay. But I remember one of my wife-in-laws covering my face because I had bruises all over it. So you were with this trafficker. I don't even want to call him a pimp because he's a trafficker. Yeah. And the end of the day, you, yeah. Were, you were having to hand over all your money to him. He demanded it, obviously. And how long did that go on for? Uh, I was in the game about 18 months. So um, Enough to know a lot. Yeah. Um, 18 months is a long time. I had a quota of $2,500. Wow. Every night? Um, every night. And you worked all night long? All night long. We couldn't eat if we didn't reach our quota. There was no food in the house. Um, he didn't beat us, but he did a lot of uh, manipulation. So Mental he would abuse. tie us together. He would lock wow. us in closets. He yeah. would, uh, you know, definitely play us against right. each other, which when that person is the only person you have, that's like very traumatic. Um, he would hold us at gunpoint, threaten our families, our children. She had a child too. Um, but we had each other. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that he didn't just do that. He took us on dates and he bought us jewelry and, and flowers. flowers and, yeah, of course. You know, did uh, you ever go dancing? Yeah, of like, course. Uh, to California, to different places, right? He it's really... that whole wheel, that power and control thing where, where you get that beautiful part of that relationship that you've always wanted and it's there for a couple days or a couple weeks and then all of a sudden right. the switch comes. Yep. So... I, I'm just really amazed that um, that you survived all that. Like, I know about Tropicana. Uh, I've seen girls, even when we had our body shop and I was watching girls walk up and down, and I, I'm just wondering if I was even around or if I would have seen you. Like, it broke my heart to see girls on Tropicana. We're going to come right back, you guys. We have to hear the rest of this incredible, life-changing story that Jessica's going to finish. We'll see you soon. Hi, my name is Annie Lobert, and I wanted to share today with you about this story that I wrote about my life in Las Vegas, and it's called Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. Now, I didn't call myself Fallen. Actually, this was my working name as a call girl, sex trafficking victim in Las Vegas. It was Fallon, and this book, if you want to know about trafficking, reads like a movie. I warn you, when you pick it up, you will not be able to put it down. You will be a page turner and you might get in trouble at work because you'll stay up all night. <laughs> I've been told that. So if you want to go to Amazon, you can find this on Amazon or our website. Also, it's in audio form. This is my voice. My husband actually produced this Oz and he made it exactly like the book. But what's really cool about this is I sing in it and I cry a little bit. And then the other exciting news is this is in Spanish. So any of you out there that are interested and maybe you have a friend that cannot speak English or they read better in Spanish, this is available in Spanish on Amazon as well and on our website, hookersforjesus.net. The best way to learn about trafficking is to listen to survivors. I implore you, you don't have to read my book. There's other survivors out there, overcomers, that have stories please get educated. Please listen to them. Listen to their stories because this is the truth about trafficking from a person that's been their perspective. Thank you. Hi, welcome.
welcome back to the pink chair with Annie and my friend Jessica. She's going to share the rest of her story and I can't wait for her to tell you and tell us about what she's doing now. It is so incredibly amazing. Jessica, you were with this guy. We talked about how he put you on Tropicana. Now, obviously, you didn't stay on Tropicana because we know in the game in Las Vegas, if a guy's going to be a trafficker and he's going to do it the right way, if he was going to choose that right way, he would probably put you in the high-class hotels, right? Yeah. So you were on the strip now. Yeah. So I was on the strip. I mean, we were sold by concierge, bellboys. I mean, I've gone up back elevators. Into I know I don't want to ask you any names because we live rooms, here. Right. But um, it goes on, everyone. Yeah. It's part of our culture. Right. Unfortunately. And they were all getting tipped probably, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. You, you I'm took sure. care of them. I didn't necessarily always take care of them. But sometimes it was me. Sometimes it was my pimp. Sometimes it was my wifey. Sometimes it was the person who was purchasing yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of depended on the scenario and how it occurred, right? How they found us, per se. Um, so eventually I got arrested in Mandalay Bay. Um, and I went to jail. And jail set me free to an extent. So What was that like? Like, was it vice that arrested you? Yeah. And... You- it was actually really a funny story. Like, I hid in the bathroom for about three hours because my wife, he of called course. me, and she was like, that's Vice, get out of there. And I'm like... Not that this is funny, but to someone that doesn't understand, I mean, right. that's... It was, I mean, it no was more like... part of the job was getting arrested. Right. And that was my first time. So mm-hmm. I got away far enough to dip into right. the, the bathroom, and I mm-hmm. sat in there for hours. And then I, like, peeked out, and I could see them down the hall with another girl. So I was like, okay. They're occupied. If I get to the street, they can't detain me, right? True, true. And I mean, so, supposedly. Right, supposedly. And so I started to walk through Mandalay Bay, and I was, like, dipping through, like, trying to, thinking I was hiding, sure, right? Sure, um, And two security guards came running after uh-huh. me. And, you know, there's eyes in the sky. I for, right. kind of forgot about those. So they arrested me. Um, essentially, I ran from jail right back to the domestic violence relationship I was in mm-hmm. before, Right. I don't think it was a conscious decision. I think the trauma bonding that I had in both relationships is what trapped me in a cycle of toxicity. Right. Right. Um, one was better than the other. I know, I guess. but you you wanted to go where you felt normal and safe, even yeah. if you knew it it was risking your safety. It sounds crazy like that. Of course, I loved him. No, nobody really understands that. Can yeah. you talk about? We don't have much time, but can you talk about the mental, that, that love piece, just that strong bond that no one can break but yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I depended on their perception of me and their um, worthiness, right? The, the worthiness that I got from them, right? Yeah. Worthiness that I never gave to myself, right. Um, That's so powerful. That is so powerful. And so, you know, once I left, there's a whole, like, another part of my journey. But when you leave a pimp, you leave with nothing. Right, right. Um, And so after leaving, I became homeless. I was homeless and pregnant. And weren't you suicidal at one point? I was. And tell me about that. So uh, my daughter was two at that point. Um, I did try to commit suicide. Um, I ended up going into Ross and Neal's psychiatric facility Mm -hmm. on a 72-hour hold. Mm -hmm. And that 72 hours changed my life because in 72 hours, nobody asked me why. They gave me medication and they released me to my batterer. 
But in that 72 hours, so I decided I wanted to become a social worker because yeah. at that point in time, I hated social workers. Right. I wasn't a diagnosis. I was a woman that was a victim of trafficking, mm -hmm. of domestic violence, of homelessness, right? I was all these things and all they could do was give me medication and send me on my way. Um, so after 72 hours in there, I uh, eventually graduated with my bachelor's from UNLV. Wow. And then I went on and got my master's from the University of Southern California. So you're a finisher. I am a finisher. <laughs> that is so amazing. Yeah. And, and I wanted to, you to uh, share about what you're actually doing now. But before that, really fast, you told me that you went to Central Christian and you went to the altar because you felt called to go up there. That, and that was the point that you were not feeling good about yourself. What yeah. was that? Did that help you at all, knowing there was faith and love available for you and forgiveness? Yeah, so my boss at the time took me to Central Christian shortly after I was released from the psychiatric facility. And at that point, I didn't believe in anything, right? Not even myself. Yeah. Um, and Judd was talking about prostitution. He's amazing. And I was sitting there like, what, what? in the world, right? Like, that? this is crazy. Right. And I'm crying and I'm just searching for hope and anything to hold on to. Um, so I kept coming back. It was my safe space every Sunday. Right. Uh, eventually I got baptized. Yeah. I was by myself. I just yeah. got up and walked up there. So you declared and... that I'm going to believe that I'm forgiven. Right. And Jesus, I love Jesus. That's awesome. Where are you working now? <laughs> Tell us about that. So I am the program director at St. Jude's Ranch for Children. Wow. Um, it is my home away from home. Those and what do they do? So we um, serve children who are abandoned, abused, and neglected. Yeah. So some of our children are victims of sex trafficking, right, right. abuse, neglect. Yes. Um, they're all in there for various reasons. And currently St. Jude's Ranch for Children sees a need in our community to help child victims of sex trafficking. I see that need. Yes. And yes. so we are working to build the first ever healing center in Southern Nevada, right. which would be a facility specifically for child victims of sex trafficking. That is so exciting. We don't have anything like that in Las Vegas. No, and we need and, it. And what a perfect person to, to help with that building, you and those kids, Jessica. I can't imagine the love they're going to feel when they see you and you share. This is why I do my job. You I can know? connect with them on yes. a whole another level. Some of them I have shared my story with. I don't openly share right. it unless I feel like it will help them become better, right? Yeah. Um, but it's definitely transformative when I do share my story because then there's somebody, they can look at me and say, there's somebody like me that overcame, right? right? And I, I never am, had that. I am so amazed at what you've done with your life and I'm so proud of you and Thank you. I, I just see um, your face with light and your heart with so much love and I'm so thankful to know you and I'm so honored that you came on the show today. Thank you for having and, me. And just you're going to do amazing and I can't wait to hear more so we'll bring you back okay. Yay, I love you. you. I love you too. I love you. <laughs> you guys thank you so much. Uh, Jessica can be found at where, Jessica? So you can find us at www.stjudesranch.org backslash healing slash center. And also they're going to have a Facebook page. So look for that, you guys. So thank you, Jessica, for being on here today. Thank you for And we are me. so excited for the future and the ranch to see what's going to happen yes. and how it's going to change our valley. You guys, that's a wrap. Thank you for watching the Pink Chair Show. See you next time.
The best way to learn about trafficking is to listen to survivors. I implore you, you don't have to read my book. There's other survivors out there, overcomers, that have stories. Please get educated. Please listen to them. Listen to their stories because this is the truth about trafficking from a person that's been their perspective. Thank you.